We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for October 11th, 2009. And today we're going to be doing another update on uh, many, many different uh, breaking current events regarding the swine flu, the forced vaccinations, uh, and all of the things that are encompassed in it. These are totally different stories that we're going to be talking about today than we have in the past. It's just there's so much information coming in, I can hardly keep up with it. Uh, so the first thing that we're going to be looking at is from, um, this just came out on the 9th, from Natural News with Mike Adams, and it was an article entitled, Urgent Lawsuit Filed Against the FDA to Halt Swine Flu Vaccines. And it claims the FDA violated federal law. Health Freedom Attorney Jim Turner is filing a lawsuit in Washington, D.C. on Friday in an urgent effort to halt distribution of swine flu vaccines in America. On behalf of plaintiffs Dr. Gary Null and other licensed health care workers of New York State, the lawsuit charges that the FDA violated a law in its hasty approval of four swine flu vaccines by failing to scientifically determine neither the safety nor the efficacy of the vaccines. Now, if you've been watching TV at all in the last even four or five days, you'll know that they're really ramping up the pressure and the hype and the whole... Um, they're, they're talking a lot about kids dying now. I think they say there's been like a total of 19 kids that died this last week. Now, please understand, there's... By their own statistics, I believe it's about 38,000 die per year just of the regular flu. Okay, now I'm not saying 19 is, is anything, 19 children is, is, a, is a light thing, but the thing about it is, is that when you have this dynamic and the scenario going on in comparison to the regular flu, the not, most likely the non-engineered regular flu that's just all, you know, out there, uh, particularly during this time of year, it's not nothing in comparison. But again, this whole thing with the swine flu, which is a genetically engineered flu, and we're going to look at that a little bit more in depth as well. It's part swine, part human, part avian. It's genetically engineered. It was created. And this whole crisis is being manufactured just like the flu itself. All of it's a lie. Okay? And or everything surrounding this is based on lies, is what I should say. I'm not saying that the swine flu is a lie in and of itself, that it's not a, uh, a viral strain. But the things that are surrounding all of the hype and the push for the vaccines and these types of things, it's purely based on lies and fear-mongering. And uh, we're going to be taking an in-depth look at that today. And the reason I have to keep doing these studies is because this is something that could we could all be facing very soon and unless the Lord intervenes, uh, unless there's enough public awareness created and enough uh, resistance, this will end up happening. They have millions, literally billions of dollars invested in this. So there's a monetary motive. There's also a global genocide motive. And I'm not saying everybody that's going to take the swine flu is going to drop dead the next day, but it's a, it's a process whereby right now people are having the, uh, the nasal version, the flu mist, and then they're going to go to the shots, which are going to be starting, I believe, this week. And then you have the chemtrail dynamic. And I've talked about this in many other teachings. When you have that combination, uh, you never know what might trigger a 
real pandemic where we have a much higher kill rate and something that's even more highly virulent and uh, easily spreadable. So if we go further in this article, it says, this lawsuit will seek an injunction against the FDA from approving the vaccine. Attorney Jim Turner told Natural News on Thursday evening, uh, he says, and the core of the argument is that they have not done the proper safety and efficacy tests on the vaccine to allow it to be released at this time. The suit seeks not to only nullify the FDA's unlawful approval of four H1N1 influenza vaccines, but also asks the court to issue an injunction that would halt any mandatory vaccination requirements. The FDA is required by law to establish that a vaccine is safe and effective before it can be given to the public. Said Turner, we are arguing that they did not establish that the vaccine was effective and did not establish that it was safe and that they are trying to get it in the market by a waiver. The vaccine slash adjuvant combination being referred to as the swine flu vaccine has apparently never been safety tested or approved by the FDA. And to me, being approved by the FDA is irrelevant because they're just in the pockets of the pharmaceutical companies. But the fact remains is not even the FDA has approved it. In fact, in many cases, the vaccine is sent to clinics, pharmacies, and other health establishments separately from the adjuvant chemical. Now, one of the main adjuvants is squalene, and we've talked a lot about squalene it being probably the number one thing that, that the Pentagon even determined that caused Gulf War Syndrome. Uh, it's a highly detrimental to the nervous system, uh, really nasty stuff. And... Um, it causes autoimmune reactions and things of this nature. It, now, in this form, in, in the way that they're, they're getting it injected into the body, it is. And so, that's when they say adjuvant. That's the first thing I think of is squalene. So, just repeating this, it says, um, many cases the vaccine is being sent to clinics, pharmacies, and other health establishments separately from the adjuvant chemical, leaving it up to each local vaccine retailer to properly mix the vaccine with the adjuvant. According to information provided by Turner, the attorney, with hundreds of millions of Americans potentially being targeted with this vaccine, the potential for improper mixing, improper dosages, and human error is alarming. So that's a whole other consideration. If the charges described in the lawsuit are true, it means the FDA has blatantly abandoned medical science and violated its own regulations in approving not only these four vaccines, but the potentially adjuvant chemicals as well. To date, the FDA has produced absolutely no scientific evidence documenting the safety tests for any of these swine flu vaccines. There is no published studies, no records of any clinical trials, no publicly available paper trail demonstrating that the safety testing was done whatsoever. There is no researcher who has publicly put their name on the record, declaring the vaccines are safe. And no vaccine, no FDA official has ever stated the scientific valid safety testing has ever been conducted on the vaccine adjuvant combinations now being distributed across America. Normally, when a pharmaceutical company achieves FDA approval status, there is a considerable paper trail of scientific scrutiny, peer review, clinical trials, and other supporting evidence. To our knowledge, no such documents exist for the swine flu vaccines. And this, again, is, is over this fervor where we have a death rate far, rest, far, far, far less than the regular flu. But because of the lies that are being perpetuated from the media, 
it, we're we're led to believe that this is some type of level six global pandemic. The FDA's approval of these vaccines appear to be entirely based on a whim. Why then did the FDA apparently violate the law and push these vaccines into full public distribution without securing safety testing required by law? Uh, Turner suspects a profit motive may be involved for one. They're charging $24.95 to get a vaccine multiplied by 100 million people. That's a lot of money. If, if you do the whole, uh, if the whole society takes it, you're, taking, you're talking about several billions of dollars. Next article is entitled, Airports to Screen Passengers for H1N1 Symptoms. New government air travel guidelines are on their way. The flu season, this flu season, airport staff across the nation won't be screening for security threats. They'll also be looking for health threats. People who look like they may have the H1N1. The government says that people traveling internationally may be screened for the H1N1 virus as they leave or enter the U.S., Flu.gov tells travelers, quote, due to the outbreak of H1N1, uh, swine flu, occurring in the United States and many other countries, airport staff in some countries may check the health of of arriving passengers. Travelers from the United States arriving in other countries may be checked for fever and or other symptoms, and their travel may be delayed. Now, this is only going to get worse. This is just the start, okay? As more cases are reported, as more people are getting the flu mist, and now they're going to start getting the actual vaccination where the live virus is actually in the vaccines, not only the, the flu mist but the injections, well, they're going to start contracting it. People that are immunocompromised, people that can't fight it off, they're going to start uh, contracting the H1N1. They're getting injected with it. And uh, they're going to go through a process called viral shred, uh, shedding where they're getting rid of it via they're sneezing it, they're... they're um, from the uh, feces and things like that, it's going to be in the in the uh, the. Uh, it's just going to be a lot of places it normally would not have been, and so as this ramps up, then the, the uh, airports are going to clamp down more and more and more. The air- airports are the first place this stuff happens because they're they're so easily controllable. Uh, the site says, and again, this is flu.gov. The site says that when you travel internationally from the United States, officials in other countries may ask you to pass through a scanning device that checks your temperature. This device may look like an airport metal detector, a camera, or a handheld device. Have your temperature taken with an oral or ear thermometer. Fill out a sheet of questions about your health. Review information about the symptoms, H1N1. Give your address, phone number, and other contact information. Be quarantined for a period of time if a passenger on your flight is found to have symptoms. So even if a passenger on your flight has symptoms, you can be quarantined. This is total Big Brother Orwellian 1984 garbage. That's what we're, that's what we're moving into. Con- and then they can also contact health authorities in the country you are visiting to let them know you're ill. That way the Big Brother can monitor you. Uh, in addition, the site says if you have a fever or respiratory symptoms or are suspected of having H1N1 swine flu based on screening, you may be asked to be isolated from other people until you're well, have a medical examination, take a rapid flu test, uh, which consists of a nasal swab sample, or be hospitalized and given medical treatment if you test positive for H1N1. So it's getting more draconian as the days go by, and this is why I feel compelled to do these teachings, because 
I'd like to be able to do a lot more teachings on a lot of different subjects, but if this stuff starts to go down, you know, they'll lock down the internet and, and it'll be very, very hard, most likely, to, um, to communicate. Um, you may only uh, end up having, like, shortwave radio or something like that as an option. It's good to have a shortwave radio as well. Oh, also, I'd like to ask to, uh, and I normally don't do this, but if you would pray for um, Taylor, she hurt her knee the other day, a real freak accident, um, warming up for a volleyball game. It was it was the devil, is all I can say. It was a pretty good laceration of her left knee, a very deep, and um, the the just the injury didn't match. She was wearing knee pads. <laughs> it it was just unbelievable. She had to get several stitches. Uh, it was I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, the, the only thing I thought of was was Satan when I saw it. That's really what what came to my being. It was it was an attack from from uh, the devil, and uh, I'm pretty sure yesterday I got bit by a brown recluse spider on my right hand, uh, right middle finger. So if you pray about that, because you can lose your finger from from a brown recluse bite. So I don't normally ever ask for for prayer, but um, I I would appreciate it. Just we've had a real weird. Uh, weak. I, I just believe Satan's ramping up his attacks, not just on me, but I'm sure a, a lot of you are, are out there that are, are under attack. And um, You know, the Bible does talk about praying for, for one another and these types of things, bearing one another's burdens. and, and uh, it's, So it's a biblical thing, and I appreciate it. God bless you. And uh, again, we thank you for anybody that, that you know is praying for us, that, that have sent in donations to this ministry. It really has allowed me to, to kind of step out of... Um, full-time practice or, or even part-time practice and really devote um, the, the, the time that I have to the ministry, which is more than a full-time job at this point. But I want to thank you for that. God bless you. So let's go further. Um, the next article is recipients of the swine flu vaccine are being given CDC vaccination record tracking cards. This is uh, goes on to say swine flu vaccinations begin Monday in Indiana, Illinois. Tennessee and recipients of the H1N1 vaccine are being given, I believe this was last Monday. Uh, yeah, it was last Monday. They're being The people that are getting these are being given CDC vaccination record tracking cards to help keep a record of those who have received the swine flu vaccine. This news is causing concern among privacy advocates who are worried that the U.S. government could use these CDC swine flu vaccination cards to track down those who have not had the vaccine if a government decides to make the swine flu vaccine mandatory. So again, we're getting now into Big Brother tracking. All of this is about control, tracking, um, monitoring, these types of things. And again, the government could use these to track down those who have not had the vaccine if the government decides to make swine flu mandatory. So that's that's the real reason they want the, the tracking cards. They want to know who hasn't had it. Because, see, if we haven't had it, we're posing a risk to everyone else. Well, the thing that I would ask is that if somebody's vaccinated and they believe that's going to protect them, what do they got to worry about me for? They're protected, right? The whole logic system behind this is totally flawed, in other words. I mean, if somebody doesn't want to take it, and supposedly I don't want to take it, and that means I die, which, which is actually the exact opposite. Well, isn't that my choice? I mean, 
If you're vaccinated, you're protected. What do you got to worry about from me for? And yet they're acting, it just doesn't make any logical sense what, the way they're acting, but it's, it's a scam and it's a ploy, and it's straight from the pit of hell, essentially, is what we're dealing with here. This is pure evil. And again, I've got a lot to cover today, and hopefully by the end, you'll, in, in all of the other studies I've done on this, you'll understand how evil this really is. Uh, the news about the swine flu vaccination cards was dropped in the middle of an Associated Press story about the beginning of the swine flu vaccinations in the United States. Now, just so you know, I will have this whole document available. I'm probably going to send this out to my list and have it in the PDF format um, up on um, Sermon Audio and up on ContendingForTruth.com. So, you'll be able to access it there. And a lot of these stories have little links and stuff. You can go and read the full thing if you'd like. So, when this was discovered, many concerned citizens started asking about questions about the swine flu vaccination cards. Fortunately, there is a little more bit of information about them. The following is from the CDC's, which stands for Centers for Disease Control, their official website. Recipients of the 2009 H1N1 vaccine will be provided with a handheld card to serve as a record of vaccination and sources of information should a report should a report to the Vaccine Adverse Event Report System, or VAERS, be needed. Vaccine recipients will be encouraged to bring the handheld card at their next visit to their primary care provider so that the vaccination information can be transcribed into the patient's permanent medical record. So there it is. Health authorities are going to have a record of exactly who has received the swine flu vaccines, but another disturbing aspect of the paragraph above is that it sounds like they're expecting adverse side effects. I've already stated, and they've already admitted in their reports, that they are expecting deaths, all kind of adverse side effects, that, that in the vaccine companies all have um, been given um, immunity from any kind of liability, it doesn't matter how many people they kill. In fact, that's what they, they're there for. They're wanting to do this. So, it's something that, um, I've been reporting on this for years. And uh, if this is the first time you're hearing it, you can listen to all the other teachings I've done on this. Just key in swine in the uh, search box, or avion, in the search box on my homepage at Sermon Audio, uh, under Scott A. Johnson. Um, and, uh, you know, that'll get you there. It's The website itself is www.sermonaudio.com forward slash uh, just one word, dr, it's like Dr. Dr. Scott Johnson. Like Dr. Scott Johnson. That'll get you there. And the other site that we have is contendingfortruth.com. If you want to listen to the teachings up on YouTube, uh, you can go up there and just key in. Um, it's End Time Delusion 1, I believe, is the website. and um, Or you can key in my name in the search box and you'll find the teachings. There's been several people that have put them up and I thank you know God for all, all of them that have done that. So let's go further. Now, this next one, I'm going to play a little clip from a, U- from a YouTube video. Uh, it's entitled, Official H1N1 Created by the USA by Scientists. Truth is coming out. Thousands will die unnecessarily as the swine flu continues to spread around the world. So do theories about its origin. U.S. investigative journal, journalist Wayne Madsen says he's gathering more and more evidence that the H1N1 virus started out in a laboratory setting. 
And again, I, I just stated that earlier, and here we're going to hear some confirmation. I'm going to go ahead and set my mic up here, and uh, we'll see if we can get this to play. As swine flu continues to spread across the world, so do theories about its origin. U.S. investigative journalist and RT contributor Wayne Madsen says he's gathering more and more evidence that the H1N1 virus started out in a lab. Well, he's now in Washington with RT's Priya Shrida. Uh, Priya, uh, tell us, what new proof is there to support this theory? That's right, Bill. Well, we've been talking a lot about the swine flu in the past couple months, and just recently the first shipment of the swine flu vaccines have been available in the United States. But now we're learning more information on how the H1N1 virus actually came to exist here in this country. And joining me to talk more about it is RT contributor and investigative journalist Wayne Madsen. Wayne, thanks so much for joining me. So first of all, tell me, um, what have you learned about how the H1N1 virus came to exist here in this country? Well, it's very apparent that there's three uh, research centers involved in the uh, development in a laboratory of the 1918 Spanish flu, which was actually resurrected. Uh, the proper name should be the Jurassic flu. It was uh, uh, resurrected from the DNA extracted from a, an Inuit woman who died of this uh, pandemic in 1918 in Brevik Mission, Alaska. Uh, the material was taken to several laboratories and what I've discovered is that uh, three particular laboratories are very much involved in this research. The uh, University of Madison at Wisconsin, the National Microbiology Laboratory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and something that might surprise a lot of people, the St. Jude's uh, Veterinary Research Laboratory uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. So we have three places now that seem to be ground zero for the research uh, that led to the redevelopment or resurrection of the 1918 Spanish flu. And, I mean, how exactly did this happen? This is the 21st century. I mean, how could something, how could these gene sequences get manipulated and then be disseminated throughout? So, in, in other words, there, and this has been known for quite a while, that, that this 1918-1919 uh, Spanish flu has been resurrected. Uh, this is the one that killed anywhere from 50 to 100 million people, and it was through the vaccinations back then that it was actually spread and implemented. And the doctors were honest enough to admit it in their medical reports that that was the case, because the people that died were the ones that got vaccinated. And it didn't matter if you were young, hale, and hardy, many times you could be dead literally the next day from the vaccinations. And this is the same one they've resurrected. I believe it was the H3N2 strain, and this um, is the one that, uh, you know, could be actually spliced and or combined with H1N1. Not to mention H5N1, which is the avian bird flu that we heard about. We've heard about, um, you know, starting back in 2000, peaking a lot in 2005. Um, that's another one. And according to Steve Quayle, there may be, they may add in um, Ebola hemorrhagic uh, virus as well. So these are things that can be cross-combined. They were uh, essentially all created in a laboratory setting. And again, according to the Georgia Guidestones and according to the, the planks of the New World Order, world population has to be culled. Uh, they would like to have it down to about 500 million according to the Georgia Guidestones. I think that they'll settle on maybe less than that. But uh, And again, the Lord Jesus Christ is on the throne he is the one that determines if this is going to happen or not. But uh, knowing this, it's like, you know, uh, if you see somebody in a burning building, 
you want to let, and they don't know the building's burning that they're in, you want to let them know that their house is on fire. And this is literally a tool that's going to be used for this. So let's go a little bit further. The country. Well, apparently what we are saying is this could have been the product of some overzealous research on the part of the research scientists, the microbiologists, or there may be something more sinister. Uh, the University of Wisconsin in Madison uh, has an interest in a company called Flugen, which is, stands to make an awful lot of money uh, from a method that they developed to deliver the vaccine for H1N1. Uh, so uh, the, the other thing is in, in 2001, at the height of the anthrax attacks in this country, a, a Harvard microbiologist named Dr. Don Wiley, who was on the scientific advisory board of St. Jude's, uh, died. They say he jumped off a bridge into the Mississippi River in Memphis after he attended a banquet in his honor. Uh, it, all indications are that was not a suicide. Uh, the, even the Shelby County, Tennessee coroner uh, came to the conclusion that it could have been a murder, but it was never investigated by the FBI as a murder. Uh, what I do know about Dr. Wiley is uh, after his death, and uh, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police contacted the Memphis police with a story about bioterrorism, and it involved the National Microbiology Laboratory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, one of the centers that uh, has been very key in the development of this new strain of H1N1. So Okay, so there's a whole, and you can go up on Steve Quayle's site, and he's got a link called Dead Scientists, I believe on the left-hand side, and you can read about, just a, a probably, it's probably not all of them, but a ton of the dead scientists that have been surrounded, that have worked on research regarding this, and I think what happens is, is they, they get to a point where they know too much, and they have to be eliminated, because this is the, the world government, I'm going to say the world government has so much invested in this coming um, potential, what they would like to say, culling of the planet, that they can't have any loose ends. And somebody that's literally worked on the viruses or bioengineered them or knows about this, they have to be eliminated. This is some pretty scandalous stuff that you're saying. I mean, is it being investigated, and how can you know the United States um, prevent this from happening in the future? Well, I think what we have here is a situation with bioethics. Uh, they talk a good game in the research, medical research community about bioethics, but it doesn't seem like there's any method to enforce the ethics. And if, in fact, this was developed to make money for certain biopharmaceutical companies, of course, this is a case of uh, bioterrorism. It may be bioterrorism saw, but many people have died around the world from this. Right now, it doesn't appear uh, that the FBI or any other law enforcement agency is actively investigating it, uh, which brings, uh, brings up the anthrax case, which uh, some people say that was not adequ adequately investigated either. And so there were obviously some major things that went wrong with this research, but did anything good come out of it that we could maybe use now? Well, that it's been, you know, disseminated. The research community, of course, involved with this research will say that this, uh, this H1N1 was redeveloped uh, as a method to combat a resurrection of the pandemic of 1918. But we have several cases. We had a case in May where uh, a scientist from the National Microbiology Laboratory in Winnipeg was caught bringing uh, Ebola and HIV DNA across the U.S.-Canadian border at Pembina, North Dakota, was arrested, apparently was freed. He was on his way to the National Institutes of Health 
right outside of Washington, D.C. There also was a case uh, where a Japanese researcher involved in the same research was caught taking H1N1 DNA out of Surabaya Airport in Indonesia to Japan. Japan is also involved in some of this research. Some pretty interesting revelations, and we'll certainly keep you updated on anything we hear from Washington, D.C. I'll be back here next hour. Okay, so that's that's the report there. Uh, just something to kind of give you some more confirmation regarding what we're uh, what we're talking about today. We're not making this stuff up. Also, Baxter was the ones that were caught putting the H5N1, which is the avion bird flu, the one that I referenced earlier, the one that has about a 60% kill rate uh, from the last statistics I saw, much more virulent than this H1N1. Um, but it's not as easily transmissible. And um, they Baxter was caught putting that in the vaccinations, the H5N1, and there was that big, you know... But again, all of this is suppressed in the media. If it, They pick and choose what they're going to put. Typically, they'll, they're, they're going to want to, you know, major on minors and minor on majors. That's what, they, what our media tends to do. We have, you know, all these superfluous stories about Hollywood stars and things of this nature, and, and then we've got them majoring on things like the amount of deaths that have been, which in comparison to the regular flu, um, is nothing. It, it's, it's nothing in comparison to that. It's not even a fraction. And yet, this is what we're hearing about. So, it's all by design. And uh, this is something that it's very important to understand. So this next article is from Dr. Carley. This is an up, update, and I just entitled it Farmageddon. Uh, like Armageddon, but it's pharma. And she goes on to say, Dear List, as you know, Centers for Disease Creation, <laughs> instead of control, Centers for Disease Creation is going to be unleashing the H1N1 pandemic this week via millions of live viruses which will be sprayed up people's nose in the witch's brew named the flu mist. Now, she wrote this, like, this is on October 4th. Okay, so this has already started. Okay. Uh, once millions are infected and very sick, the shot version will then be unleashed, targeting pregnant women and young children. One of my clients, whose husband owns a medical supply company, called me today to tell me that he received a call from a government agent informing him that it is illegal for him to sell any syringes or needles to be used with the H1N1 shot. As the government has chosen one company to supply these particular needles, obviously because the needle will be preloaded with the RFID chip, the microchip. Think about it. Why would they care about what syringe you use to inject the H1? I mean, a syringe is a syringe as long as it's sterile and it's quality made. Why would they care about that? Unless they maybe they were going to preload the syringes. Now, I did a teaching on this uh, two or three weeks ago on the injectable microchips, and I reported from a medical doctor uh, in Germany on his off his blog that that's exactly what the information he had received, that the, that these needles will be preloaded at the end, the end step of quality control, and um, they're going to have a uh, some type of microchip at the end. I mean, these can be extremely small. Hitachi has microchip, and I reported on that in the same teaching. Hitachi has microchip powder. It's literally, you have to almost put it under a microscope to even see it. 
so they've got microchips that small now. Now, that's not even talking about what we would talk about injectable nanorobots or nanomedicine and or foreign DNA they could also be putting in there of who knows what origin. So it literally is like a witch's brew. And, and you just, you have no clue what they could be actually injecting into you. Uh, then she goes on to say, it's for this reason as well as the toxic adjuvants, especially squalene, which will be in the WHO flu shot, WHO meaning World Health Organization, that you need to just say no when instructed to roll up your sleeve. There is no way I know of to neutralize the chip. See, this is why people are emailing me and they're saying, what do we do if we have to get it? I'm like, you don't understand. That's not my mindset. My mindset is I'll die before I get it. I don't know what there is in this thing. I do not want, I would rather die than be injected with microchips. And who knows what kind of DNA, and, and injectable nanorobots, and, and microchip powder, and all of the other garbage that they put in there. The mercury, and the, and the live virus itself, and who knows what else. I mean, it's, who knows what it's doing to you on, on, not only a physical level, but a spiritual level. Because literally, this is like a witch's brew. It's like this cursed substance you're putting in your body. Many of the vaccines, as I've stated, are grown from abor off aborted babies, aborted fetal cells. It's called human diploid cells. And you can prove it, just look, up, look it up in the, the uh, PDR. MMR vaccine, there's, a whole, there's at least 13. Uh, I'm sure there's more than that at this point. So, there's no known way to neutralize the chip that she knows of. Nor to detox an adjuvant made of a substance naturally found in your body. See, squalene naturally occurs in the body. Squalene in and of itself isn't a bad thing, but when you put a foreign squalene into the body, the body has an autoimmune reaction. It starts attacking itself, and it causes all this cascading of other problems. And we've got into that in previous studies. Uh, this squalene will cause an epidemic of autoimmune diseases. And it's since the advent of the modern vaccination era, that now we have all these autoimmune diseases that are so prevalent, um, you know, rheumatoid arthritis, Raynaud's syndrome, lupus, uh, spon ankylosing spondylitis, there's a lot of these autoimmune diseases that were um, very rare before the, the modern advent of the vaccination era. And that's because of this same thing. The body's attacking itself. You're putting this, these foreign things into the bloodstream and the body t attacks itself, causes autoimmune reactions. Farmageddon can only occur if you roll up your sleeve. In New York City, healthcare workers held a huge protest this last week when they were told they would lose their jobs if they did not take the bioweapon vaccine. We must all do the same. It is very disturbing that Dr. Sherry Tenpenny is telling people to use lemons over the vaccination sites. And Dr. Blaylock is telling people to use cold packs on the injection sites if you're forced to take the vaccine. If you, if you noticed, I've been very kind of reluctant. I might have put out one email regarding this because I don't think that this is something we should even be considering doing. Well, we get it. Yeah, do you understand what I just said to you? I mean, with microchips and nanorobot and who knows what else they're going to be doing? Uh, using a lemon or coal packs, this is not going to affect a chip or, or nano or nanorobots or, you know, it's not going to do that. So, anyway, I feel the same way she does about that. I, I don't like the fact that they're that they're acting like, okay, this is all you need to do.
So in other words, submit to their genocidal masters. Let your family be injected with a bioweapon. The antidote to slavery and genocide is unity. People grow a backbone, stand up in large numbers, and just say no or die. Dr. Rebecca Carley. <laughs> yeah, well, she's pretty straightforward there. Uh, you know, this is something we need to be praying about as a born-again Christian. You need to really be praying. Pray Psalm 64, that God will hide you from the secret counsel of the wicked. Because... Uh, pray that you be counted worthy to escape all the things that are coming upon the earth, as the Bible talks about in um, Matthew uh, 24. Okay, so let's go to the next article. Girl suffers permanent brain damage after HPV vaccine. Uh, human papillomavirus, that's what the HPV stands for. Like genital warts, basically, what you're dealing with there. As the cervical cancer vaccine um, continues to maim or even kill more teenage girls across the UK, 18-year-old Stacy Jones is the latest victim to suffer severe harm. Previously in a state of apparent health, Stacy began to suffer severe seizures and brain inflammation within days after receiving Cervarix injection, vaccine injection. The swelling of her brain was so severe that it caused permanent brain damage and told and... Uh, Today, Stacy Jones is an empty shell of a girl. She's like a vegetable, in other words. From the good old cervical cancer HPV vaccine. You know? Her mother isn't fooled by the big pharma. Well, unfortunately, her mother was fooled by it, or she would have never got the vaccine in the first place, okay? I'm sorry that this happened, but she was fooled initially, obviously. It's terrible. She goes on to say, I really feel she's been used as a guinea pig. She said in the Daily Mall News, uh article. I don't think there's enough evidence that the vaccine program is safe. Well, I would say that's pretty obvious. Then she says, this has all happened after days after Stacy was given the vaccine. We don't have any other explanation for what triggered her brain injury. This happens all the time. People get their kids vaccinated, the next day they're autistic. Many people never put the two and two together. It's like this pharmacia this source, which is the root word for sorcery in the Bible, this spell that the pharma pharmaceutical industries have put over people, blind them to even the, the most elementary, obvious things happening to them. There's whole support groups in, in America alone for, for kids that are autistic, that become autistic right after they get vaccinated. I had a guy that I worked with, and he had two children that were um, autistic right after they got their vaccines. Two. You would have thought after the first one he wouldn't have done... Went, and he was a chiropractor. We're taught better. The college I went to, this was the one thing they emphasized. that uh, They were really against vaccinations. Yet he went ahead and did it. Guy's got more money than, than um, any chiropractor that he's probably the richest chiropractor in the whole country. And yet, he wasn't able to figure it out and or help us. I tried to help him. He didn't want any of my, my advice. Well, you know. Probably the best, one of the best products to detox this is called NDF on the internet. If you, if you get uh, vaccine injuries um, or just detoxing the substances out of the body. Now again, I would say avoid the vaccines at all costs, particularly in light of what I just said. But uh, if you've been vaccinated, NDF by BioRay Labs is a very good product. It's actually, they have children in there that, um, that were autistic that literally aren't autistic anymore. And they've got some liver cleanses and the NDF, and, you know, I would do whatever they suggest because they that's their specialty. Uh, 
that's one of, really good for that. So, going further, just last week, 14-year-old Natalie Morton died within hours after receiving the same vaccine injection. Medical authorities insisted Natalie suddenly died of a previous undiagnosed tumor in her chest, but Natural News was the first to suggest fraud in the pathology report, pointing out that Natalie's real cause of death had to be covered up to protect the lucrative vaccine industry. Vaccines equal the new Holocaust. Now, that's what... That's what um, Mike Adams is saying, that's what Dr. Carley's saying, you know, that's what Wayne Madsen's saying, that's what Alex Jones is saying, that's what Steve Quayle's saying, that's what a lot of MDs are saying, have been saying, for a long time, way before this thing came out. It's obvious, but if all you do is watch the TV and they parade these people along saying, oh, well, I just think it's the right thing to do, get my kid vaccinated and... Who in, who in their right mind, what kind of terrible parent wouldn't have considered doing this? The Bible says, Woe to them that call evil good and good evil. And that's exactly what is being done here. But you have to have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive in order to, to, to process this information. Uh, and again, it's why Hosea 4.6 says, My children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So, we don't want to reject true knowledge. This is something where we could be destroyed from. I mean, if somebody puts a poison glass of orange juice in front of you and you drink it and you die, haven't you just been destroyed for lack of knowledge? Yeah, you didn't know it. I'm not saying God can't protect you from that, but this is just an example. So if we go further, as deaths mount, vaccines are becoming the new chemical holocaust of our time. Children and teens are lined up to be injected with chemicals made by some of the very same companies that once conducted medical experiments on Jewish concentration camp prisoners in the Nazi era. Now he gives a link. This Everything that I'm talking about here, there are links, there's full stories you can read. You can check this out for yourself. This will all be in one document up on the internet. I try to make it one-stop shopping for you where you can research this. I don't charge for any of this. I'm just giving it away. I just want. In fact, it's not my information. I'm just compiling it processing it, consolidating it, and, and commentating on it for you uh, so that hopefully uh, the ultimate thing I want to see is people saved through the Lord Jesus Christ. The finished work on the cross. Okay, But uh, many times these are ice-breaking tools that can be used in order to get somebody into the mode where you know if they can realize that there really is this draconian agenda to wipe out the earth and this actually totally lines up with what the Bible says it's going to happen, and we could do a whole study on that, then a lot of times they'll get their eyes open to the truth and be more receptive to the gospel. So everybody has their niche in ministry, and this happens to be mine, just as a watchman. It's all I call myself. So if we go further, let's see here. Did you know, for example, that one of the new chemo- chemotherapy drugs still used in cancer centers today was originally developed under the chemical weapons program of Nazi Germany. Now, we could go down that road all day long. I.G. Farben, which was one of the main chief, if not the main chief, uh, uh, financial backer of Hitler. You know, Hitler was a failed house painter, essentially, at one point in his life. And he didn't just get there by himself, okay? He had tons and tons and tons of money behind him. He didn't just rise in and of himself and, and whatever, okay? Um, 
yes, he was satanically groomed for the position, but the money that was behind him was the real driving force. IG Farben being one of the main companies, and then that a lot split off. A lot of the, um, the the company itself was dissolved and split off into different companies like Bear, is in Bear Aspirin, and there's been all kind of stuff, horrific stuff associated with Bear Aspirin. Um, TDK, I believe, is one company. Um, there was one other one too as well, split off into three. But it's it's just horrific. This is reality. It's just that truth is stranger than fiction. This next article is entitled, Drug Expert, Cervical Cancer Vaccine is More Deadly Than the Cancer It Supposedly Prevents. Speaking exclusively to Sunday Express, Dr. Diane Harper, who was involved in the clinical trials of the controversial drug Cervarix, said the jab was being overmarketed and parents should be properly warned about the potential side effects. Now, these are all MDs. Most of these are MDs that I'm quoting from here. So not just somebody like in alternative healthcare that you could say, oh, they have an agenda, they, they have an axe to grind, they don't like the MDs. These are MDs, a lot of these quotes. I've got quote after quote after quote of MDs uh, regarding vaccinations. Authorities in the UK should be on the health alert because of its sister vaccine, Gardasil, used in America, has already been associated with 32 deaths. And that's just the deaths. We don't, then there's all the other adverse side effects that's caused. Her comments follow the death of the 14-year-old Natalie Morton who collapsed an hour after receiving the jab at school last week. She just died. Why isn't this all over? Guaranteed, if, if a chiropractor or somebody in alternative health, particularly chiropractors, they love to target them, if they hurt somebody, that's going to be front page news. But the thing is, the thing that I had this guy email me the other day, it was great. <laughs> He, he was he was really incensed. He wanted to show me how smart he was by telling me the first thing out of his mouth is that he proudly proclaimed how he's how he has taken the vaccines and he will be taking all the vaccines that come out and that I'm a quack and that I'm a snake oil salesman and that I don't know anything essentially and that chiropractors kill people all the time. Wish he would have given me his email address so I could have kindly responded to him to let him know that if I'm killing so many people, or if chiropractors are killing so many people, why is it we pay such low malpractice insurance? My malpractice insurance is much lower than my car insurance. And I'm a safe driver and have been a safe driver. With no points or anything. Okay, so I'm paying about as low as you're going to get on a car insurance rate. Yet my malpractice rate is, is actually about half, close to it, of what I pay. Why is that? How could that be? Well, here's why. Because insurance companies could care less about rumors or conjecture or whatever. They're only interested in hard statistical data. And the hard statistical facts prove that chiropractors aren't out there killing people or breaking people's neck or doing whatever he was claiming that we were doing. If we were doing that, we would be paying astronomical malpractice insurance rates. Mine is less than 1000 a year. It was like 700 it was, I was only in part-time practice, but still. You compare that to your average MD, around 50 grand to start per year, many MDs, they just stop doing it. They, and they'll post it on, I worked with an MD that posted it right on the door. Basically, what it was, he couldn't afford it. He couldn't afford the extra 50 grand per year. Then you go up to like somebody like a neurosurgeon, and they're like 400 grand a year, 300 grand. Why? Because they're hurting so many people because what they're doing is so risky 
that, that they've got to pay all this malpractice insurance. They have no choice. So they've got to make three to $400,000 every year before they can even make profit one. That's why partly part of the reason why rates are so high. That's just one. That's just one of the many. So anyway, I just wanted to um, address that. But he, he, was, he was very proud of the fact that, that um, uh, he, I'm basically the one killing people and, and he's going to take the, he's going to drink the Kool-Aid and uh, he's going to take his vaccines and, ha- and will continue to take them proudly. Well, that's what he wants to do. That's his choice. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. That's what I would have to say to him. Proverbs 14, 12, and 16, 25. Going further, uh, a new study has been shown that giving hepatitis B vaccine to a newborn babies more than triples their risk of developing autism, spectrum disorder. Now again, these are all medical people reporting this. This is a, you know alternative healthcare stuff. So, I mean, I think that adds more validity to it because they're actually part of that very profession. The study authors used U.S. probability samples obtained from National Health Interview Survey from 1997 to 2002 data sets. The conclusion states that findings suggest that U.S. male neonates, little babies, male babies vaccinated with the hepatitis B vaccine have a threefold greater risk of autism. Threefold. Okay, and that's just from one vaccine. The new study used in a different database than the earlier study, and they found the same results, suggesting a validation of their findings, and they give you the actual two sources for their um, research. Routine use of the hepatitis B vaccine for all newborns began in 1992, despite the fact that there was absolutely no logical argument for it. It should never be included in the immunization schedule, and here's why. Hepatitis B is about as difficult to catch as AIDS. Namely, you always need to have blood or sexual contact of some sort. That is why that is the main risk factors for IV drug abusers and those who engage in sex with multiple partners, particularly homosexuals, when they get into the whole sodomy stuff. The Vaccine Adverse Reporting System, VAERS, we mentioned that earlier, was developed by the government to report vaccine reactions. Many experts believe that only 10% of the adverse reactions are reported, though, as reporting is not mandated by law. Some surveys put the number closer to 1%. Only 1% may be being reported. Even with only 10% of the problems being reported, there were nearly 25,000 VAERS hepatitis B vaccine reports, meaning adverse reaction reports, from July 1990 to October 31, 1998 prior to adding the hepatitis B vaccine to the immunization schedule. This showed that showed 439 deaths, 9,673 serious reactions involving emergency room visits, hospitalization, disablement, and or death. And that was only, probably, very conservatively, only 10%. All of these reactions from hep B, and a lot of those were from the babies they gave it to. Okay? Yeah, why does a baby need hep B? I mean, he's going to be an IV drug use coming out of the womb or involved with sex with multiple partners, it's absolute, total insanity. And this stuff should get you mad. The Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. This is, they're, 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 it's mass genocide of little babies and infants, or at bare minimum, 
They're crippling them, crippling their thinking processes. They don't have the ability to critically think, and that's what they want. They want a bunch of dumbed-down, sick sheep that they can control. They want the sheeple people they can control and herd in the masses and herd them into wherever they want. Then they put fluoride in the water, in the toothpaste. Fluoride burns out the lower brain lobes, which controls your will to resist. All of these chemicals they put in things... They've got, they've got the kids addicted to sugar and all of the caffeinated products at the earliest possible ages. What that's doing is not only giving them severe systemic candida infections, which make them very lethargic, they don't think clear, they have brain fog, but it also burns out their adrenals, then they have no energy, then their immune system goes down, they don't have the ability to fight off things, so then they get sick, so then they can go in and get their course of antibiotics, which causes more candida, which causes more dependency. Pretty soon they're on meds. They can't cope, they can't think right, they've got them on, uh, you know, ADHD, drugs. It's ridiculous, which are nothing more than speed. Literally, they are speed, these ADHD drugs, like Ritalin and then speed. It's insane. That is reality. That is reality. And, and it's, it's a terrible reality, but it, that is reality in America. And in, in many places elsewhere... In, in the world. America kind of leading the way, you know. Here's another article. Uh, this is entitled, Activist Groups That Fund the Pharma Are Trying to Regulate Silver as a Pesticide. Now, um, I'm not going to talk about the silver that I recommend today. I'm going to be actually talking about another one, but the silver that I recommend uh, and that I have been recommending, um, if you want to see more about that, it's at the very, very bottom of this document that I will be posting up on the internet. And I posted the special that I'm running that's not available off the website within it. The special's right there. You can see it right there. Because I've had a lot of people say, well, what, what is it? So in this particular document, I posted it right there. And you can read about it. Okay, um, That's the one that I have my track record with over the last, I don't know, seven, eight years around there. Um, but this article is... Um, Let's see, from Natural News, Mike Adams, written by a guy named Tony Isaacs. It's just from October 7th. And it goes on to say, It was revealed that a handful of activist agencies, which were behind the petition to the EPA to regulate nanosilver as a pesticide, received funding from the pharmaceutical giant Merck. Imagine that. Which annually has hundreds of billions of dollars in profits from patented antibiotics, which colloidal silver poses a risk to. Now, I've said this before, but before the, the uh, Food and Drug Administration takeover of the, uh, true takeover of the American medical system in 1938, you could literally go to a MD and he would prescribe you mild silver protein, which is what the Invive that, that I use, that I recommend. He would either compound it right there in the laboratory or right in his office or he would send you to a pharmaceutical, uh, like a drugstore, and they would compound it. You would take it, but the problem is, is back then they didn't have a way to stabilize it. So you had to take it within one to two weeks or it would start falling out of solution. Now, if you have any solutions that you're making, or you have any solutions that you bought, if you ever see the silver fall out in, at the bottom, it's no good anymore. Don't drink it. Okay, you can't utilize it in that form. Uh, and that happens, trust me, it, 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 it happens a lot. Uh, 
it was something that you could get prior to 1938 until the modern advent of the antibiotics in which um, mild silver protein fell out of favor. I mean, mild silver protein was proven that it could cure 650 diseases. Pharmaceutical companies have absolutely no interest in finding a cure to anything. All of this garbage where people are out there wearing their pink ribbons about breast cancer and the American Cancer Society and American Heart Society or whatever they've got, March of Dimes, Jerry's Kids, it's all a lie from the pit of hell. I don't care if the people are well-meaning. Like they say, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. It's true. It really is. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Well, it feels right. Well, yeah, because you're going by your heart. You're not going by truth. You're going by what feels right to you. And the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17, 9. Proverbs 28, 26. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But, you know, Hollywood will tell you, go with your heart. That Your heart will never, your heart will steer you right into hell every time. Basically, it's not something you want to trust in. Well, anyway, you want to trust in the Word of God, Jesus Christ. But this is something that goes on, you know, all the time. And um, it's, it's very sad. But what they're doing now is they're trying to regulate silver as a pesticide. And they've been trying to do this. I've reported on this in the past. And the one that's actually behind it uh, is the... Uh, or one of the main driving forces is the pharmaceutical giant Merck. Because they want to totally take colloidal silver. Why are they so obsessed with colloidal silver? I understand they want to get alternative products, but it seems like colloidal silver is the one they're really, really, really trying to go after. Oh, because of its potential. Because of its potential to stem the coming plagues. Regardless of what they throw at us, there's still a huge potential there. Uh, now I'm going to be talking about another silver, it's kind of a silver product that I've learned about in the last three to four weeks, I've known about it for a little while, and I'm going to be talking about that today as well. I think that um, we have some different, um, really good options out there right now, but how quickly the um, uh, the government comes in and tries to shut this down, that, that I don't know. I don't know when they're going to take these get these things taken off the market. And that's why I posted my special within this, because I don't know how long I'm going to be able to sell the silver that I recommend, uh, or, or any company is going to be able to sell the silvers that they recommend. Because I think when these dominoes start falling, they're going to shut all the companies down. So now, um, the Merck actually has annually has hundreds of billions of dollars in profits from patented antibiotics, which colloidal silver poses a risk to. Now further investigation has discovered that the initial revelations may just be the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Merck and other pharmaceutical companies' funding of groups who support the EPA petition. The actual source of funding that was first revealed in emails and colloidal silver blog sites was the John Merck Fund, which was set up in 1970 by Serena Merck, the widow of the Merck pharmaceutical CEO um, giant um, George Merck. The recipients of the funding who are signees of the petition to the EPA to ban silver as a nanopesticide, or pesticide, are the Center for Food Safety, the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy, the International Center for Technology Assessment, the Consumers Union of the United States, Greenpeace, those environmentalist people, uh, Friends of the Earth, oh yeah, they're real friends, Friends of the Earth, and then 
Subsequently, it was discovered that a second Merck Foundation, the Merck Family Fund, gave $200,000 grant for a 2006-2007 to another petitioner, uh, Silicon Valley Toxics Coalition. So that's, um, that's all of the companies, or some of the companies that are actually involved with this. I wanted to name them, so just in case you've, you've had any kind of dealings with them or or um, maybe even might have supported them in the past. I want you to understand that don't support them because this is one of the many things they're trying to do. A lot of the environmental agendas seem good on the surface, uh, the ones that try to protect animals and things of this nature, but typically they have a very nefarious um, uh, goal, which is world depopulation, which is, oh, we've grieved Mother Gaia, we have to cull the planet in order so that she's not grieved anymore, you know. So um, that's typically where they're, they're where they're coming from. The Center for Food Safety, along with its sister organization, the International Center for Technology, initiated the EPA petition to ban it silver as a pesticide, and enlisted many other groups which signed off on the petition. Uh, receiving the second largest amount of funding of any group was from the John Merck Fund. The largest recipient of the Merck funding was the Tides Foundation whose total funding was $2.7 million. Thus far, EPA has taken no action on the petition, though it is widely expected to make a ruling by early fall. Well, that's where we're at, early fall. And many expect that the silver will indeed be regulated as a pesticide. Such an action would have an effect banning virtually all colloidal silver products currently used by millions of people to combat infections and pathogens of all kinds. In many instances, mainstream medicine has no answer for some of the deadliest pathogens, such as MRSA. When I was in, when Taylor was getting her knee stitched up the other day, you know, I knew I was going to get hassle, because I'm her doctor, and I've always been. And um, she was questioning me, and asking about antibiotics and things of that nature. I said, I've got it covered, Doc. I said, I use a medical grade, and it is a medical grade professional for me, mild silver protein. Told her about it. She was actually pretty interested. We had great favor there because we prayed before we went in. I really didn't get a lot of hassle. Told her I had a blue form religious exemption vaccination form on her. They didn't give me a hassle about really anything. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll just give him the credit. Uh, but the mild, the imbibed mild silver protein has been used on MRSA. In fact, I got a whole newsletter on that. Uh, both topically and internally was, is how you would want to do it. You would probably want to implement some uh, like Lugol's iodine, alternating it with even maybe hydrogen peroxide if the wound was open. This MRSA, this uh, multiple resistant staph aureus is what it stands for, is incredibly hard to get rid of. And it is, it is a direct result of the overuse of antibiotics, which has created what they call super strains, which essentially, um, you know, they're very, very hard to get rid of. They don't have antibiotics that, that can do it. So... Um, Anyway, if they have their way, and again, they could rule on this very soon, such an action would affect banning virtually all colloidal silver products currently in use. All of them. So, bear that in mind. Um, that's, you know, it's very important uh, that you know that. Colloidal silver represents a huge threat to the billions of dollars of profits the big pharma annually rakes in from less effective less safe, far more expensive patented antibiotic drugs. And again, antibiotics only work on bacterial strains. They don't work on viral. And they only work on 
a lot of times anywhere from three to six strains, whereas the uh, like the mild silver protein works on 650 different strains. Okay, and the other product I'm going to mention, I believe, does the same thing as well. Um, but there's just a big difference between what is commonly sold and said as colloidal silver, which is actually ionic silver, it's not true colloidal silver, and what true colloidal silver is. The next product I'm going to be talking about is a totally different technology. I've never even... It's almost like apples and oranges. Okay, But um, if we go further here, let's see here. Such an agenda becomes obvious when one looks at the list of products singled out for banning that was part of the petitions and finds the three largest producers of colloidal silver specifically listed among the products. So if they can take the three largest out, all the other little guys will fall. You know, you take the big guys down first and all the little ones, they're not going to be able, they're not going to have the kind of uh, money the three big ones have. Many more colloidal silver products were later added as an addendum. As an example of sub subterfuge, one of the environmental groups which signed the petition, Friends of the Earth, sent emails this past spring to concerned members who use colloidal silver to assure them that they had no desire or intentions to regulate colloidal silver. Then in June, they published a position paper which stated, we believe that all over-the-counter colloidal silver products should be, be withdrawn, should be immediately with, withdrawn from the market, and their sale should be banned unless approved as a drug by the appropriate regulatory agency. Well, that's straight from the pit of hell, is all I can say. Approved as a drug? That's what Codex Elementarius seeks to do. That global legislation that seeks to regulate all vitamin and mineral products and any kind of, kind of alternative uh, herb as a drug. And you would have to literally go to an MD to get the RDA, which is recommended daily allowance, which is pitifully low, of a particular... And what you're going to get is a synthetic version of a B vitamin, which is what's typically sold in health food stores, like B1 or B6, which, may, which is made out of coal tar. They make it in like 50-gallon drums, and, and Hoffman LaRoche sells this stuff to the vitamin companies, and they put it into the vitamins, and they sell it's natural. It's not natural. It's, it's synthetic. It's just like a drug. And that's all you'd be able to get. So, you know, be aware of this, and, and whatever you can do to, to fight it, you know. I try to send out petitions and numbers and things that you can call and to pray about it. Because this is, and, and not only that, but knowing that this is probably going to be a foregone conclusion, you know, you don't want to wait until the last minute to pro procure these things because there's going to come a time, if this goes down, you won't be able to get anything from anybody. Coil silver or anything else. So just bear that in mind. Oh, and the, and the, the thing that gets me is like the companies that I work with, there's like one company that's real aware of this, but the other companies, they're just like, they're just like the regular population. They're, they're doing nothing. They're, they literally don't put out... I mean, when I get orders, you would think they would be screaming in the inserts and things. Oh, we, need to, we need to protest this. We, there is nothing. They're no better than the rest of the population regarding what's coming. They're doing nothing. It's like they don't even care about... They don't understand. It's like everybody's so lazy, they don't even care about what they're going to lose. I mean, even from a greed standpoint, you would think, you know, I don't want to lose my income. Let's say they were just greed-driven. You would think that would motivate them. That doesn't even motivate them. People are so blind, it's just unbelievable. And I'm not talking about my listeners. I'm talking about just 
companies and people in general. It's like they're under this spell. It's like the prince of this world has blinded their eyes that they do not see. And I understand that was concerning the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. But they're blind to a lot of issues as well. A lot of other issues. So, uh, let's see here. And so they're saying that they believe all over-the-counter colloidal silver products should be banned immediately. And this has to be put, unless they're approved by a drug, by an appropriate regulatory agency. Similarly, in March of this year, just before the EPA closed the door to public comments on the campaign to regulate silver as a pesticide, the environmentalist published an article claiming that the major new clinical study had proven that silver harms human cells. And that the envir- what the environmentalists failed to report is in their article is enlightening. What they failed to report is enlightening. First of all, it turned out that the study they cited was hardly major. Indeed, it was a very small study conducted by a virtually unknown research group in China. It also turned out the group conducting the study was in cahoots with two major pharmaceutical companies who are major producers of prescription antibiotic drugs. And finally, the study itself merely demonstrated the well-known fact that silver kills E. coli bacteria by damaging its cellular structure and preventing it from replicating. Uh, probably most likely due to imparting what they call a zeta potential, kind of like zapping it. The silver can impart that. It can also have a, a, an, impart a smothering type of aspect to the bad cells. Not to our cells, but to the bad cells. So, in other words, the study was on bacterial cells, not human cells. It doesn't hurt us, though. Okay? God, we use silver in our own God-given immune systems in order to accomplish this. Silver acts like a secondary immune system in the body. That, that way, if, you're really, if your own immune system is really weak, you can always take in the silver, and the silver will, will do its job regardless of how well your immune system is working. Now, there's a lot of things you can do to boost your own, and silver does have an effect on our own, but it acts more as a secondary immune system. Things like vitamin C, um, uh, zinc, believe it or not, calcium, um, these are things that actually help ramp up our own immune system, particularly the white blood cells, which are one of our first lines of defense. So, um, let's see here. I'm going to go ahead and stop here because we're running out of time on this study and we're going to go to part two.